Welcome to The Yoga Voice, a podcast by City Yoga, School of Yoga and Health. Our guests discuss how the contemporary practice of this ancient art transforms the lives of individuals and communities in the Midwest and beyond. City Yoga has been a center for the practice of yoga and yoga teacher training since opening in 2002. Join us as we explore how yoga inspires and transforms. Dave Sims here at the Yoga Voice, and thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate each and every listener that takes the time to you know, give a little listen to our podcast. And today, I am really excited to bring you Lisa Darty, who's a longtime yoga teacher here in central Indiana and internationally as well. She was on the podcast about three years ago, so it's been a while. And we just had a great conversation, catching up, uh, filling in on what's been going on in her world the last couple of years. And, and there's been a lot going on in everybody's world the last couple of years, for sure. So there was, there was plenty of room to share challenges and accomplishments and changes and shifts and all kinds of fun stuff. And then we touched in on her role in helping to create an 85-hour prenatal yoga teacher training program here at City Yoga, as well as uh, her role in our 50-hour yoga teacher refresh to help uh, bring together folks that have gone through the 200-hour or maybe even a 500-hour that maybe have kind of lost their rhythm in the last couple of years, or maybe there's things in their training they haven't looked at in a while. And maybe missing that sense of community that comes from getting together with your peers. So the refresh is coming. And then we talked about her sound immersion that she collaborated with Larry Gendhart. Incredible musical experience that she did here in about the last month. And more of those will be coming. And in general, we just, we got to dig into Lisa's rich background and and yoga, and music, and taking care of the earth, and her passion for all these things. So do enjoy a listen to my dear friend, Lisa Darty. All right. Welcome, Lisa, back to the old podcast, The Yoga Voice, here at City Yoga. And how are you today? Mm. Thank you for having me. I'm doing really well today. Um, yeah, it's a Monday, kind of late morning, and yeah, we're already at April. So I know, uh, I know. It's like a <clears throat> Earth Day is almost here. Mm, you know, mm -hmm. spring is going to get ready to explode mm -hmm. in a few weeks for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, as I as mentioned earlier, I look back. It's been about three years since you did the podcast before and I was like oh my god is it, how how has that time gone by yeah uh, so for our listeners out there um, if you look back in the archives they're still available um, on the city Yoga website and wherever you you get spot or podcasts or Apple podcasts or uh, lots of different sources out there but she was on episode six mm -hmm. and uh, now she's probably be around episode 50 when this Get, finally gets published wow. out there. So, so if you want to get some backstory on Lisa, <laughs> um, last time you were here, we covered a lot of your yoga journey mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and your mothering journey and uh, doula doula in and 
and uh, retreats and stuff that was mm -hmm. going on. And um, so I thought maybe this time we would kind of focus for the last three years since mm -hmm. and whatever you want to dwell into the past is super cool as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot has happened in three years mm -hmm. in, in your life, mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> um, but I would like kind of a sort of icebreaker of what is what is really inspiring you about yoga today, mm -hmm. whether your practice or yoga at large or whatever that term means to you. What's inspiring you today? Mm -hmm. So um, inspiring me in yoga today is... And maybe it does relate to the past three years because, yeah, we've all gone through a lot. I've personally gone through a lot. I think everyone that you've talked that you talk to will say that, you know, the past three years have been supremely impactful on all of our lives. So I'm just feeling really grateful for the practice in that I leaned heavily on it over the past three years. And to me, that just kind of shows the importance and the the primacy or the, the, the immediacy of why it's important to have a practice and why it's important to have tools. Because when the winds are blowing so hard, symbolically, <laughs> and even in Indiana recently, <laughs> reality. But yeah, when the winds are blowing hard, the winds of change, the winds of the unknown, tum tumult, um, chaos, all those winds have been blowing through uh, planet Earth strongly in the past three years. So having a practice that you can fall back into, that you can lean on, that you can... Um, use to help anchor your day, your breath, your moments, your um, mental state, emotional state, physical state, having that has just the past three years have really shown me the importance of why someone would want to have a yoga practice. Mm -hmm. It really has. Um, so that's been inspiring to me is just that gratitude for this practice and for the fact that I did have these tools to lean on in hard times. And then um, I'm just also feeling really hopeful. We've got a ton of things going on, not only at City Yoga, but, you know, I'm involved personally in a few big things that are coming up here that kind of have me with a little butterflies in my tummy. <laughs> um but that's a good feeling because it feels exciting and it feels like, okay, I'm stepping into some new skills and some new ways of um, being able to offer things to the community. So it's this like looking back, gratitude, thank you so much that I had a practice to lean on to. And then also looking into the future and saying, well, I want to make sure that other people have some of these tools too. You know, um, we're never going to get out of the fact that people we love die, um, pandemics happen, right? You lose a job, you move a home, whatever it is, we're never going to get out of that cycle of um, life. So uh, I want to be able to have these offerings that I can share and help other people get a practice and establish yeah. a practice and or be able to share a practice with other people. You know, it's kind of this um, lineage or this passing along. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think you don't realize how much wisdom and teaching you have to share. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you, you've 
mastered the art of teaching mm. uh, in the past several decades mm-hmm. of practice teaching, mm-hmm. right? And teaching mm-hmm. and, and practice. And, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we were talking about the uh, a book based on your mm-hmm. teachings, you know, mm-hmm. from our, our dear JP, mm-hmm. uh, created a writing recently that um, kind of he, he shares your teachings as they landed on him mm-hmm. from going to your class. I, I guess you said he spent about five months or so um, working on digesting the message you were sharing mm-hmm. in your classes and, and created a book out of it. I'm, I'm sure there's more to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, I know it's kind of hard for us to recognize that in mm. ourselves, but then everything you just said about how, you know, having a practice that to go through, to rely on in tough times, we glean so much wisdom from that mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. And we're experiential teachers as yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I'm excited for what the future holds for you because, you know, you you just have all this to share, mm-hmm. and you have an authenticity. What is that word? Um, <laughs> very authentic, mm-hmm. and and the in the way that you share, it's just genuine. It's from the heart, mm. and and um, and I think that's where the deeper teachings come out. Mm. And um, so, um, yeah, it's exciting. I know, good stuff ahead. <laughs> it's good stuff ahead. Um, and lots of stuff I want to touch on today, like some of the programs you guys are working on. But before we get to that, let's kind of update from where mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think you were living in Zionsville last time mm-hmm. we talked, and you've moved, you've got mm-hmm. um, career shifts. So lots of stuff has happened. So maybe update our listeners on the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun to think about, too. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, Dave's right. You know, um, a lot happened. So I might, like a lot of us, pinpoint it back to March 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, two years, a little more than two years ago. um, March 2020 really was a catalyst for a lot of change in my life, including um, I, the pandemic affected me personally and my career a ton. So I, I was relying on um, city yoga teaching. I had consistent, I had two consistent private clients that I saw numerous times a week. Um, I had corporate clients for yoga classes and in 24 hours, it all shut down. It all vanished. Um, so I just kind of watched my income <laughs> go down about 85% overnight. And that was a little scary, but there wasn't really anything you could do about it. We were in lockdown. Nobody knew what was going to happen. We didn't know how long this was going to be. Um, oh, I'd been substitute teaching in Zionsville schools too. All that was just and doing, doula, doula. And dueling. Doula. Yeah. All that was gone kind of overnight. So. Um, I know I shed tears. I shed tears about that loss. Um, I still kind of can get emotional thinking about it because it really did like throw me a huge curveball, unexpected curveball. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if the studio was going to reopen. I, 
I was kind of like a little boat without a rudder. Um, so that coincided then with, um, yeah, my daughter Sasha starting to show symptoms of being ill. Um, and so in this, like, <laughs> I don't know, um, felt like I was hit by a bus with <laughs> things happening in my career. And then um, my daughter starting to get sick. Uh, it was just so... Um, and I and it was isolating too. We weren't hanging out with people, you know, everyone was really sheltered in. So I just turned my focus and and you know, I'm very grateful I got some of like the government assistance or unemployment kind of things that helped me keep some money coming in and I just turned my focus to Sasha, my daughter, and we spent the next six months kind of going through multiple um, uh, medical testing and diagnoses and things like that. Uh, so in some ways, you know, n not working during that time was helpful that mm -hmm. I could really be a caregiver. And it, it did start to take on its own quality of being like a job where I was managing doctor's appointments and tracking symptoms in a journal and you know, doing my own internet research ah! and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, just trying to give my whole self to helping my daughter. Um, so it was just a whirlwind. It was a crazy, crazy whirlwind. Um, and that happened throughout pretty much all of 2020 was just that. Um, so, uh, then we, we once Sasha had her big surgery and um, recovered from that, you know, she and I stepped away. <laughs> we stepped away from life for a little <laughs> while, and we spent the winter of 2021 in Puerto Rico, and that was a very healing. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful <laughs> that City Yoga set up a GoFundMe for me to help with the medical bills and to help give us or offer us this opportunity to reset and to just kind of, I don't know, when Sasha was really, really sick in the hospital, I kept promising her, I was like, when you are better, we are going to do something epic. I don't know what, <laughs> but we will do something epic. <laughs> I don't know. I think I promised her a kitten. I promised her all <laughs> kinds of stuff. <laughs> just get better. A pony. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so uh, she and I were able to get away for six weeks in the winter, and we mm. we lived on in Puerto Rico um, on a little house overlooking the ocean on a cliff and we got to see the whales and we swam in the ocean every day and I just watched her vitality get stronger and stronger and I watched myself um, decompress from some of the the trauma and the stress of uh, going through that with uh, your child and so that was I think you know, a really nice turning point yeah. in Sasha and I's journey through this. Um, so, I'm, again, very grateful for anyone. If you even gave $10 in a GoFundMe, thank you. <laughs> if you gave 100 or or $1,000, thank you. <laughs> anyway, I'm like City Yoga setting that up for me. I was in a blur. Andrea was just like, can we set up a GoFundMe? And I was like, yep. And that's then she and Jocelyn and Dave and Annie just, yeah, set that up. It was incredible. 
so um so then we got back though and things started to open reopen and I started to think about okay what's this new career going to look like I my private clients had kind of fallen off the way they had they were either older or had someone in their home who was really immunocompromised so we weren't doing private yoga classes back yet and my corporate thing was they were still online at home it just wasn't happening but luckily city yoga was starting to reopen tentatively and we had a couple fluctuations in that time, but that's okay because you could feel a little bit of heartbeat starting to slowly return. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I knew that I wanted some, I needed something else um, to help contribute to my family's income, and so I think that's where Sacred Roots, uh, mm. where I went into. Um, like working in a professional environment <laughs> for the first time in my whole entire life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and um, so, yes, I started a job. It's now been a year. So April, May of mm-hmm. 2021, um, I took on a, a part-time job at Sacred Roots Birth and Wellness Center. And um, I do admin. I'm considered some of the admin staff there, um, but I'm a communications coordinator, which means that I handle their social media and a monthly newsletter, and I answer inquiry calls and emails and website inquiries from potential clients throughout. Really, we serve from Terre Haute, sometimes up to Fort Wayne, down to even Columbus, Bloomington, uh, so we serve clients all throughout central Indiana. And what they do is they just reach out to the birth center. They ask questions. And I'm the one, myself and a woman named Rachel, are the ones who answer the phone calls and emails and um, kind of hear from these people about what they're, you know, are you pregnant or are you looking to get pregnant? Is this your first pregnancy or do you have other living children? And we just kind of help navigate that process because... You know, when you're involved in something, we can we are what's called OOH or out of hospital birth, and so that's a unique niche in the birthing community. You know, most most people still go to the hospital to deliver their babies and have their prenatal care through an OBGYN, but there is a growing uh, group of people who are looking for something a little bit different, and Sacred Roots is one of those places that they look to. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more questions maybe than just signing up at your regular OBGYN for prenatal care. That's pretty standard or um, people are very familiar with that through media and through mm-hmm. their friends and family. But to, to say to yourself, I want to do a birth at a birth center, for a lot of people, that's a big question mark or it just is something that they need more information about. So yeah. I'm kind of the one that helps them give them that information and see if they're a good fit for the birth center. And uh, then they sign up and it's really fun. I'm now, because I've been there a year, I can see some of my people that I first talked to nine months ago and they're now having their babies at the birth center. And that's a really cool, really cool feeling. So yeah, that happened. um, And I'm still currently there. It's been really fun to get back into the birth world. And this is in a very different way than I ever have been in the birth world before. Um, And it's given me so many skills and I've just... The indie birth community is a tight-knit community, so 
you know, making networking and just making friends and and uh, getting to learn from these incredible midwives and nurses and doulas and um, OBs. And, you know, it's it's a really it's an amazing place. Uh, and then, like Dave said, yeah, we made a big move from Zionsville to Broad Ripple or Glendale area, Indianapolis, and that feels amazing, too. It was super scary <laughs> because we hadn't necessarily planned to move, and the housing market was tough then. Whoo, Brett and I were just talking <laughs> last night about how stressful it was a year ago today, <laughs> this time of year, um, trying to find a home. You know, we're a big family, even though I have kids that are slowly moving out. We're still a big family. And so we had specific needs in terms of what we needed for a home. And um, luckily, my friend Trisha Mira... Shout out Trisha. She's a graduate of City Yoga Teacher Training. And uh, she... Um, was our realtor and helped us get a great house. And we happened to be like 12 houses away from Trisha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, that's, that's really great. Um, love living in Broderbull, Glendale area. Um, yeah, I love our house. I love our house. Yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah, the house, it just looks like it was made for you guys. Yeah. yeah and, uh, and that's super cool. And that, yeah, you were doing all that, like, Starting a new job, buying a house at all at the same time. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> and moving. And, and, uh, <laughs> Don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, those are like wet on those uh, big life changes, mm-hmm. you know. There's like like getting married, moving, and then starting a new career mm-hmm. are all big, you know, big challenges. But yoga and your practice kind of carried you through that because I watched you go through it mm-hmm. and you know, without really skipping a beat, you know, and... <laughs> And, um, you know, teaching uh, online and in person and mm-hmm. now less online, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, like more, more in the, you know, in the physical space, I guess. Yeah. That's got to be good. Good yeah. feeling. And, and now summer's coming and outside yoga going to be a thing again, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so... You settling into the house, mm-hmm. and um, kids are getting bigger you know, and yeah, like more responsible, <laughs> uh-huh. doing more things. And yeah. shout out to your daughter Sasha <laughs> that you mentioned earlier, who's mm-hmm. been working here behind the counter at City Yoga, and we just love her. She does an amazing job, and mm-hmm. and uh, and she's going through teacher training as we speak. And it. Really, we I talked about this with Kelly when mm. she was on the show, not you know just last week, and um, like her daughter Lydia, who's <laughs> a little bit younger than Sasha, but she's working behind the front desk, and um, and just kind of over the years, the second generation that's kind of been trickling on through is super mm-hmm. cool to to see and. And uh, I think that's what I love about the community, mm. and the, and that you and Brett and your girls and and uh, your daughter Audrey. Audrey, oh, she, and, we've seen her behind the desk before. <laughs> yeah, well, Brian, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, even Aaron a little bit. Mm-hmm. He, he he came around here and did some help out. But um, so so yeah, it's it's very cool to see that, mm-hmm. um, and it makes reminds me that we are very much a community, you know studio and that it's made up of people like yourself you Mm -hmm. know it's made up of human beings bringing sharing their lives and their energy and and 
super grateful we like got to open back up you know? mm-hmm. and uh i think everybody like you shared like there was so much uncertainty and um i think i always kind of believed we were going to open back up but you know there was a little bit of fear or a lot of fear around all that and so Right. Is anyone going to come back if I do open up? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are my teachers all going to go find a uh, work from home job? You know, for right. some corporation. And then, well, and people were just like, "I'm moving uh, to Oregon." Yeah. You know? Right. Or, Van life. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so it was like, "What's what? What is going to be, you know, remaining in mm-hmm. the fallout of it all?" And well, and that. You know, again, my yoga and meditation practice help, help, like you shared, really helped me stay, you know, relying on that to be grounded. Mm. And I read or heard something on a podcast recently, and I believe it was Jack Cornfield said, um, and we, he was talking about a Buddhist teaching that the the mind creates the abyss. Mm. But the heart travels across it, you know. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I love that. You yeah. know that those uh, heart qualities, right? Yeah. Go through hmm. whatever our mind creates for us, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know what life life throws at us, but and it's really kind of that principle of of uh, a grounding practice and a way of looking at things. So we respond versus react. Yeah. And um, you know. I consciously try to never make a decision out of fear, mm-hmm. you know, because it becomes this cloudy, nebulous like, right. layer yeah. over our judgment, right? Yeah. And um, and we forget, yeah, like oh, like we're these amazing spiritual beings having this experience in mm-hmm. these human bodies, but we're, you know, we're not fear-based beings, mm-hmm. and so. Anyway, that's I'm getting a little philosophical, but mm-hmm. but I was thinking about that is the um, heart qualities of you know there's compassion and courage mm-hmm. you know there's these tenderness there's these strength there's this fearlessness there's a kindness mm-hmm. I mean all those qualities that help us you know just move along the road of life in mm-hmm. a positive way and and helping others you know and um, I'm drawn to people like you that are truly kind human beings that try to help other people, you know, and and I think, you know, we're all human and make, I mean, I still do silly stuff, I shouldn't, but I'm, I'm still drawn to people that do silly stuff as well, because <laughs> we're all human, right, and we, and we can own it and not pretend. But at the, at the end of the day, like, we're yoga teachers because we want to help others. Mm-hmm. And we're passionate about it. And that cannot help but spread out into the other areas of our lives. Mm-hmm. And I see that, you know, just watching you navigate stuff with Sasha and the job and the move. I'm like, oh, God, yeah, I've been there. It's, it's like I know it takes it takes broad shoulders. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It does right? take broad shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of help from people, right? And I felt the support from my community through a lot of that. Even though I mentioned that it was isolating, there were times, I mean, for sure, just because of the nature of the pandemic and um, being, yeah, with someone who 
is going through a, a kind of life-threatening illness. Um, but I really felt the support of, you know, I kind of felt my community holding me up when I felt like, oh, my gosh, how can I do this? You know, where am I going to get the strength from to... Yeah, sit in the waiting room while, you know, my daughter's in surgery and I was all by myself and 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 I had yoga folks. It was specifically Anne Luther and Ron. <laughs> it was like Anne knew that I was going to be in the waiting room for many hours by myself at the hospital during Sasha's surgery. And she gave me, she's a very crafty woman and a seamstress and a, a fabric artist and um she, if you know wool needle felting with wool, well, she just handed me this like craft kit comprised of supplies used for wool needle felting. And basically with wool needle felting, you just have these little bundles of dyed wool, different fun colors, and then this really sharp uh, needle. And you basically just, um, as you poke the, the, the wool fibers, they start to bind together mm-hmm. to create, like, you can create a little felted, um, um, like two-dimensional uh, kind of image, or you can create like little stuffed animals or things Aww. like that. But anyway, it felt so good to like be repetitively kind of stabbing something <laughs> with my anxious energy that I had and didn't know what to do with and didn't want to, I mean, the last thing you want to do, you know, while your daughter's in surgery or whatever is look at social media or scroll the news or anything. So didn't want to do that, but needed something to occupy my mind and my hands. So it's just a small example of the many, many ways that I was supported over the past few years. And that's just always why I want to give back to the community because I've received, I've Mm -hmm. received, I've received. So the only thing that I can do with that, I can tell people thank you and give them a hug and express gratitude, but I can also give it back to someone else who needs it. Um, And just real quick, back to something you said a few minutes ago about, excuse me, about the, the pause between reaction and response when you're faced with making a decision or whatever, um, it just reminded me that I've even heard Brett recently articulate it exactly to whoever he's talking to. He says, I am not ready to make a decision because I'm feeling really emotionally charged about this, uh-huh. you know, so I need some time. I'm not going to make a decision when I'm feeling so either afraid or worried or uh, just it's volatile. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yeah, whether it was, I think he was making a financial decision and he just told the person on the phone, he's like, I'm not going to make it right now because I'm feeling really reactionary. So give me, I'll get back to me in 48 hours and then I'll make a decision, oh, <laughs> you know? God. So it was just that, that wisdom of, and, and being able to articulate it even better, you know, cause then people may even ask themselves personally, like, I can do that too. (laughs) I can like take a pause and make sure that the decision that I'm making is not out of fear or is not out of a reaction or a volatility or, um, yeah, being afraid. Uh, Well, and I think you mentioned, you know, Brett is, is Lisa's partner and Mm -hmm. he's an amazing guy and they do their partner yoga and he's a yogi as well. And the thing I like, I really sort of identify and appreciate about Brett is, 
he was a meditator before he got into <laughs> yoga, which was same was my mm-hmm. story. You know, I had that. I was really drawn to meditation, and then one thing led to another, and I found yoga, and uh, and so yeah, he went and did his teacher training and all that. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that about him, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's very grounded, you mm-hmm. know. And so that's cool to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we have to get Brett on the show. Oh, that'd was, be fun. I, uh, stopped by and was talking to him as he was working on your raised bed garden. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I was thinking when I drove away, like, ah, I should have, I need to get Brett on the podcast. Yeah, I could so talk much. about gardening or restoration or the Vedic, you know, Vedic astrology is his big passion. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's yeah, been he's studying good. this for so long and mm-hmm. practicing going to India once twice. or twice, mm-hmm. twice now. And, yeah. um, which I, we were going to try to go. I, I think I was thinking about that it was going to be like, May 2020. 2020, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Uh, I know. I invited Dave. We were maybe going to make a pilgrimage and then weren't we? Were. No, <laughs> I mean, I'd registered. I'd paid the money. I'd registered for the trip, but yeah. I got a refund. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I still haven't made it over there yet. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's the key word. There you go. Um, it's a world away, but you know, there's a. There'll be a time. There'll be a time. So, um, so you got settled in. You got this mm-hmm. great house, great yard. Mm-hmm. Get, gardens are getting planted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a very hopeful time of year in mm-hmm. general. But I think about you know, kind of things you have going on, and mm-hmm. and um, a lots of uh, well, let's let's dive into a little bit of. Um, well, maybe start with the prenatal yoga teacher training, mm-hmm. which is something, you know, we touched on a little bit with Kelly. And so for our listeners, Kelly Shaw and Lisa Darty are going to be doing our 85-hour prenatal yoga teacher training certification. Um, it's really the first school in Indiana to offer this training uh, with the Yoga Alliance standards. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Mm, sure. Thank you. Yeah, this is big. This is amazing. And um, so just for the details, just right off the bat is, like Dave said, it's an 85-hour. So that 85-hour means that at the end of it, if you if you go through all four modules, at the end of it, you will have a Yoga Alliance certification to be a registered prenatal yoga teacher that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what that has meant is that Kelly reached out to me sometime over the winter and asked if I would partner with her. And um, I thought about it, but I kind of already knew that yes was going to be my answer. Um because I respect Kelly a lot. Um, like, I just listened to your pod- podcast with Kelly this morning. Um, so, you know, Kelly has just vast amounts of training and knowledge and experience in prenatal yoga. Uh, and I've respected her. I mean, she and I have been friend- friends with each other for a long time, ever since our kids were little. And they're not little anymore. So, um, <laughs> except for Irene. <laughs> uh but, yeah, I have deep respect for Kelly just as a person and as a, a teacher and an educator. So I knew that she would be a really good anchor for this kind of 
the work that we would have to do to pull this off because, yeah, I know you and Kelly mentioned it. It's a ton of work to get a curriculum built around an 85-hour training. And it's a little daunting to think that Mm -hmm. folks will be, they pay quite a bit of money to take the training. They're going to be with us, you know, a Friday night and kind of all day Saturday and most of the day Sunday for four weekends throughout the summer. So that's a lot. It feels like a lot. But um, I knew Kelly would be a good anchor. So once we started to get in cahoots about this, um, we opened up a Google Classroom together so we can share documents and files and PDFs. And so we've been kind of like filling up this Google Drive, this Google Classroom um, with our curriculum with just, you know, like a at first, it's just a bunch of brainstorming, a bunch of like, here's resources, here's resources, here's resources. And then through that, and one of the requirements of Yoga Alliance is that we have this kind of manual to describe the, the amount of hours that we're spending teaching anatomy and physiology, teaching methodology, mm-hmm. ethics, that kind of thing. So this manual has meant that Kelly and I have been compiling all of our resources into something that's starting to, you know, it has a table of contents and it has, um, at this point, I think we're up into, it's at least 50 pages long Mm -hmm. right now. So um, we have at this point photos of Callie Ritter, thank you, (laughs) Callie, (laughs) doing prenatal yoga poses. Um, So we have photos, we have lists of poses, their indications in terms of which trimester they're appropriate for, any contraindications. We have um, uh, a, a vast glossary because... You know, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, pregnancy and childbirth, there are so many specific words and um, themes and concepts for that, for that just in particular. And then combine that with yoga. There's a lot, there's a lot of things that we needed to define. Um, and this will be a manual that our students will be able to have at their disposal. Um we also have we're going to we have a section for local resources so which you know if i'm pregnant and i want to see a chiropractor who knows how to do chiropractics on prenatal people mm-hmm. and so we have a list of local resources acupuncturists doulas midwives phys- pelvic physical therapists lactation consultants um uh, you know anything that you can think of yeah. uh, mental health support for pregnant people and postpartum people um you know pregnancy loss support things like this so it's going to be extremely comprehensive. And like I said, Kelly's this amazing, gifted, experienced, academically minded um, anchor. And then I think she brought me on to bring sprinkle a little bit of magic. <laughs> um, Kelly's magical too. Don't get me wrong, but you know, she she Kelly knows me, and anyone who listens to this might know me too. That yeah, we're gonna. I know birthing songs, so <laughs> I'll teach you the songs that'll help a lady birth her baby. Yeah. Um, I know the birthing songs. We're going to do um, 
We're going to talk about archetypes for the birthing mama. We're going to talk about goddesses that have been inextricably connected to childbirth. And we'll talk about the maiden and the mother and the crone, the three goddesses, Mm. ideologies from the Celtic tradition. Archetypes. Exactly. Exactly. So it'll be be very practical. And then it'll Mm. also have some kind of esoteric... Uh, because that part's important too. Pregnancy is a threshold place. Birth is a threshold place. Death is a threshold place. We only have a few chances at those in our lifetimes. And you want, I want people to really feel that that can be an empowering pivot point in their life to cross over the threshold from becoming, uh, to becoming a mother mm-hmm. to bringing life into the world. It's, yeah. well, it's honoring the sacred. Yeah. Right, and what better way to do it? <clears throat> do it through a yoga lens you know, practice mm-hmm. and a yoga lens, and and I, you know, as you were talking too, I was thinking like, well, what is, to me is so impressive is, you know, Kelly's got this long history of teaching, but you have a long history of teaching prenatal, and mm-hmm. I can remember you doing mm-hmm. workshops on prenatal yoga for first trimester, second trimester, third, and this was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then in uh, you've been present at over 100 births, you yeah. know. I mean, there's there's the years of experience as a doula. I mean, mm-hmm. and and you work in a birthing center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, more That's more recently, but t- stacked on top of that is this, like over decades of, of experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think we could find a, a better matched pair of facilitators in the state. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and um, so that's that, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And then um, we've got the, you're involved in the uh, 50-hour yoga teacher training refresh. Mm-hmm. And I think you're bringing some of the sequencing parts mm-hmm. of that. That's a, That'll start in, starting up in May. Yeah. It's right around the corner. Yeah. Um, yeah. For those... You know, listeners who don't know, uh, Lisa's been a guest teacher doing, facilitating parts of our teacher training over the years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she's kind of taking that to another up level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I know you always enjoy working with the, mm. the new teachers with their exploring and just absorbing all this information mm. around yoga and finding, I think you help people find their direction, mm. mm-hmm. you know, when they're going through that. Um, you just did an amazing sound immersion with Larry yeah, yeah. Gindhart. Tell me about that. You've done mm-hmm. stuff with them before, and I think we're going to do stuff again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's neat because, you know, City Yoga has been a great outlet for me. I think my three passions are really yoga, pregnancy, and music, <laughs> and bing, 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 <laughs> here we are, uh, maybe throw some poetry in there, and we are all good, but um, yeah, so just quickly, yeah, the 50-hour refresh starts May 5th, so it'll be a 10-week series every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m., so it goes May 5th all the way through July 7th, and you get, this is going to be so cool, um, you get 
a few weeks with Marsha. You got a few weeks with Jamie Anderson. You got a few weeks with myself. And Dave is woven throughout that. And you get at least a week of all of us together in the same place. Um, so we are going to cover all kinds of important topics to help someone who's already been through a yoga teacher training program to help kind of refresh some of the what may have been forgotten or just stuck, tucked away back in the back corners of your mind. Like we said, the past two years, everybody's like been discombobulated. So this 50 hour refresh is going to be really nice to just like remind people of why they came to the mat, why they worked to, to develop their teacher voice. Um, how do they want to show up for their community moving forward? So everything from yoga and philosophy to Sanskrit to, you know, there'll be some chanting. Um, we'll be covering things like the gunas and the koshas and pratyahara. Um, I'm going to be talking a lot about sequencing and theming. I want to have a portion of like looking to the future of yoga like what what am i seeing as a trend as trending in yoga what do people you know how do we want to cuz yoga will be changing you know mm -hmm. the pandemic has changed us in terms of just okay now we teach classes that are on zoom and in person or just in person or just on zoom that's not going to even be the extent of it you know you're going to start seeing yoga in hospitals and therapists office in schools i mean we already are but it's only going to i think it's only going to expand mm -hmm. so we need to have teachers who are like prepared in a lot of ways to um embrace we don't have to take it all on you know you're going to find your little niche as a yoga teacher your niche what community do you want to work for with um you know um how do you want to show up for those people who are most vulnerable or can't access a yoga studio necessarily? So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of really good. I think we're going to have fantastic conversations in that 50-hour yeah. refresh, yeah. and I am so excited about that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, to bring it back to Larry Ginhart, I mean, he's great because we all know that Carol, his wife, um, she's you know, I think we'd, we'd all, I think everyone at City Yoga would say, Carol's my one of my teachers. <laughs> and I feel that way as well. So Carol and I and Larry have been friendly ever since I stepped foot at City Yoga uh, 14 years ago. Um, I studied with longer, Carol. Longer than that. Longer now. than that. Yeah. I always forget the dates, and We need to look back at when you, I first. I, you're probably... We've been by. up to 16 or 18 yeah. years, you know. There um, was <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah, but I used to, you know, Carol, I took her Ashtanga classes religiously. And um, so she always has a special place in my heart. I still try to get to a Carol class as often as I can. And with that comes the benefit of Larry, because um, <laughs> he comes to class sometimes and then just, you know... I don't know. I, I was a drummer, right? I, I played the djembe, and Larry is a djembe master. Um, so the djembe community in Indianapolis is very small. Uh, so I got to know Larry through that. Um, 
he still participates and helps organize weekly drum circles. Um, And then he kind of found more of his passion, I think, recently, maybe as he's aging, or maybe it's just a shift in his um, passion. But he's been doing a lot of Native American flute offerings throughout, really, throughout central Indiana, Indianapolis. He has some Native American lineage. Yeah, he was telling us that, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So he's got he's got a vast amount of knowledge and experience. I mean, Dave saw his setup for the yoga yeah. and sound healing. That that guy has so many instruments. It's incredible. <laughs> instruments from all over the world, right? Yeah. It was so yeah. neat. So he does a really nice job of getting us um, this nice setup in the big room at City Yoga. And then we spent, I think, two hours. It was a two-hour offering, um, just a little tiny bit of asana. And mostly it was just people receiving this amazing sound that Larry was creating and I was helping out. Um and it's funny because I was like, oh, give a Leo a microphone. I'm a Leo. Give uh, a Leo a microphone. I felt like, okay, I was telling a joke. And uh, <laughs> I did yeah. not plan on singing necessarily. And I ended up singing <laughs> some and this cool improvised voice thing. And Larry's so friendly about supporting that kind of thing Yeah. Um, that I felt really safe and free to be able to express myself. And that was, that was such a good feeling that night. I mean, I think we had 42 people in yeah, there we had a packed. big crowd well and i just think i just was impressed by the uh, the volume of effort mm-hmm. that you guys put into i mean it was probably two or three hours set up not to mention rehearsals and testing and breakdown and at the end. a couple hours of breakdown <laughs> mm-hmm. so it was like a seven hour ordeal to produce a two-hour event uh-huh. that you know people loved it and and mm-hmm. I think we've got a, another one in the fall. Yeah. Coming up on the calendar for fall 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's cool. And, mm-hmm. and I know you have that passion for music. Mm-hmm. And, um, how would, this is sort of random, but the experiences over you know, the last couple of years, how has, if any, has that changed your teaching? Mm. Um, I mean, I know there's some things that you do. Um, your closing song. There's like pretty a structure, yeah. pretty, but but I've been to some of your classes, and what do you what do you feel like has shifted within you as a teacher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that question, because it is interesting. I do feel I feel different. I feel like my teaching is a little bit different, and I can't quite pinpoint what that is. Um, It feels like there's some gained wisdom um, just of having gone through a few things in the past recently. I mean, I'm kind of knocking on the door of 50 years old here really soon. So I feel like my own maturity, my own maturation is definitely happening Um as a woman, cyclically, I'm going through getting into menopause, and that, I think, is an underestimated, profound experience for women. Um, and I still have a ton of questions about that. We do a like circle on that <laughs> or something. Uh, we, we could share and resource each other. Um, yeah, so I think all of those things combined has just brought, it feels like a depth and a confidence um, mm-hmm. 
that has just really come to the surface. Um, I, I still, it's amazing that I still love stepping onto the mat and teaching a class. I really yeah. just do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I, I feel you. I know. I thought. It, I know. I was doing this little mental game of like, okay, what's what's the next thirty years of my life look mm. like? And one of the things I go, well, I still want to be teaching yoga, mm -hmm. which will put me in my eighties. So <laughs> it's kind of like you know that shows um, how important it yeah, feels it's like to you. I saw, or I was, mm. I can't think of her name. It's the yoga teacher. She passed away at like a hundred and four. Oh, yes, like Tally or Tal. Ta what is her name? Ah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember she was in one of the yoga magazines mm. when she turned 100, mm -hmm. and she's doing like a headstand <laughs> and still teaching actively, mm -hmm. like weekly classes. And um, well, but I, what kind of made me think of that is you were talking about this little wisdom evolving. You've been teaching and practicing since your 20s, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's. That's like uh, half your life, mm -hmm. all right? And and there's an embodied um, wisdom that comes from that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's starting to peek its head out, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and just like yoga, let's say yoga in the West, you know, looked very different in the 80s than it did in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And then it looked very different in the 90s as it did in the 80s. So, so you, I think you're right. There's a, like a shift is coming. But about every decade, there's pretty seismic shifts in yoga in the West as it's evolving. And as communi communities mature, very different when studios start sprouting up and everybody's kind of new to yoga, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and the teacher's that been doing it for five years is, is like the senior. You right, know? right. But then when it becomes, you know, it's been there 30 years and, and the the new people are the ones that have been teaching 10, you know? Yeah. And so there's there's these shifts and it's, of course, it goes back to it's an ancient practice mm. that has stood the test of thousands and thousands of years. And I was talking to somebody just earlier this morning about the... Um, uh, we were talking about grounding, you mm. know, it's kind of like a trendy thing. Mm -hmm. Like you can go to, go to grounding therapy or mm -hmm. grounding classes and, and the idea that, you know, feet in the grass, mm -hmm. hands in the dirt, connecting with the earth and the, the microism, microbiology of our human mm -hmm. system are kind of cousins to the microorganisms in the earth and, and, um, all of our elements in our body come from the soil. I mean, there's like this connection, but there's the, like, you know, the ion, positive ion exchange and magnetic poles and just this connection with mm -hmm. the earth that, that I think grounding in the current rendition of that practice is, is there. And there's like some science behind it, which the yogis knew all along, mm -hmm. you know, the, People, I like for me, like working in a garden, mm -hmm. I mean, I've always kind of gardened since I was a kid, and I always felt very grounded, mm -hmm. hands in the dirt, didn't know why, mm -hmm. but I liked watching things grow. I like being barefoot. I mean, it's mm -hmm. no, mm -hmm. it's no like wonder I, I have a job that I 
don't wear have to wear shoes. <laughs> and uh, but taking that outside, you know, it's mm-hmm. different in a building versus in the grass or on a trail. And I did the, the barefoot running. You're, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. um, um, and uh, when you say barefoot running, it's usually with some thin soled shoes on. Mm-hmm. But part of that training was flip the shoes off and like run across a golf course or somewhere. Um, to kind of toughen up your feet, I guess. But mm. walking in the sand mm. is probably one of my greatest pleasures in life, you know, mm. along the shorelines. And mm-hmm. and uh, not that we have a lot of beaches in mm-hmm. Indiana, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, that was a little tangent. But that grounding, mm-hmm. you know, that and um, I feel like there's just a... Uh, like a wisdom that comes from that, mm-hmm. and um, and there's a perspective too mm-hmm. when you think about everything in our physical body. I'm looking at my hand, thinking, you know, this all the cells in my hands made up of the food I've eaten, you know, yeah. and then, and that and every piece of food we eat comes from the soil, mm-hmm. and so there's like this um, connection with the earth that we. Like we forget about and we we lose perspective and um i was listening to uh it was a i think it was a jack cornfield <laughs> i was listening he's to a good lo- one to binge on <laughs> yeah yeah we well, keep thinking this will be the year i make it to spirit rock you know mm-hmm. um but uh he was talking about laying out um in the in the grass looking at looking down at the universe mm. he goes he, and he's like a lot of times we think we're looking up and mm. but just imagine the, you're on the bottom of the earth and you're looking down and you're like a you're like a refrigerator magnet just stuck on the earth mm. <laughs> and you're looking down into this vast river of the cosmos and and um mm. mm-hmm. it's like a perspective shift it's mm-hmm. like how, you know and uh and we, the Earth is spinning around pretty fast, mm-hmm. and what is up and what is down is very much <laughs> subjective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, but we are stuck to it like little magnets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank goodness! Thank goodness! Gravity, yeah, gravity. Um, so anyway, back to your teaching. Um, you do feel very have like a very grounded presence mm-hmm. for a casual obser- observer, mm-hmm. and that. Uh, so yeah, maybe chat a little bit about how you prepare for your mm-hmm. classes and how, if any, has that shifted in the past few years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, preparation for classes is something that is important to me because while I I leave I always leave myself some wiggle room of. Okay, you know, if I walk in and the group of people that's assembled is not maybe not as familiar with me or familiar with the yoga practice or whatever, like I give myself a little bit of room to tweak and adjust. But I usually like to go in having some idea of what's going to happen that night, Um, whether it's like an overarching theme that I can build a sequence around addressing or... um, inviting that theme in or whether it's a specific sequence of hey I think it'd be really cool to link this pose this pose and this pose 
And then in my head, I can think of, okay, well, what do I need to prep? How do we need to prep our bodies to meet those three poses? And then how do we decompress after those three poses? So whether it's that traditional kind of formatting of um, warm up to get to whatever your the meat of your sequence is, and then coming down from that, or theming a little more creatively in terms of, well, you know, how can I show up today as a mountain? Like, how can I, in yoga, if you, if you take in any yoga classes, hopefully, you know, Tadasana, or mountain pose. Um, So that's one way that you can show up as a mountain. But can you show up in Tadasana when you're laying on the ground? Can you show up as a mountain when you're sitting? Can you breathe like a mountain? What does that even look like or mean? And then that kind of gives people the opportunity to interpret at will because nobody knows how a a mountain doesn't breathe. So nobody really knows. Like that's not something that can be defined or I can say, do it like this. Um, But it gives people space to open their minds and think about things in a different way or a more nuanced way or a bigger way. Um, So some of that is kind of like how... I know you you've been in my class yeah. how you how you how I like to present information um can I be in plank pose and still feel like a mountain um when I'm in downward facing dog I can see a mountain shape in down dog how can I accentuate that and I think about a mountain is wide at the base the base of the mountain extends in all directions so how can I be wide at my base how can I be wide at my foundation how can I be really grounded in my foundation and then the other thing we know about mountains is that they have summits or they have peaks or they ascend so how can I have an ascending quality from my wide base of support, you know, how can I feel like I'm summiting? How can I feel like I'm creating altitude and elevation? And what does that look like? And what does that feel like? And how does the breath move through when I'm embodying these kinds of characteristics? So um, that was like a fun recent class that we did, a cool recent class that we did. And, you know, at the end, you can kind of see that people like, they look different at the end. Mm-hmm. So when they at the very end, when we come up from Shavasana after ten minutes or whatever, and we're sitting, and I say for the last time, you know, sit like a mountain, and you can see people really take on this embodied quality of wide base, tall peak, breath that's as slow as geologic time. You know, <laughs> amazing to like put yourself out yeah. of that rush, 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 and into. Well, if I move at the level of tectonic plates shifting, you know, (laughs) what does that feel like? Like Glacial speed. Exactly, exactly. Slow it way down. Slow that breath way down. And then try to find your height and your base. And, um, you know, and then mountains have slopes. And mountains are resources. And mountains provide habitat. And mountains provide inspiration. And mountains, you know, provide uh, boundaries. And, um fortitudes and things you know um mountains are challenging mountains can be scary mountains have water mountains yeah feed um our water tables and aquifers it's just really amazing so i just i love to relate things back to earth as you know i super naturey classes (laughs) and um so tonight for stress relief yeah i was inspired by a passage that i read when i was um before I went to sleep last night. So I'm basing it off of 
this kind of um, blessing. I guess it's maybe a blessing, a prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been digging into my Scottish roots, and yeah. <laughs> we, we share. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a blessing from um, the Celtic goddess Brigid, um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's you know I'm I'm kind of reframing it a little bit, but it'll be something that we'll base our stress relief oh. class of off of tonight. Oh, I might yeah. have to come to that. Yeah. <laughs> like wet my scottish roots there you in go that, in that philosophy mm-hmm. yeah well that mm-hmm. um so this is a good little segue into nature and mm-hmm. this so like earth day is coming up i mean the, we're recording this before earth day but it'll it'll publish out there after earth day but um what are your thoughts around earth day and mm-hmm. and nature and this sort of transitional time of year mm-hmm. you yeah. have plants or you what do you got going on well um so earth day is four four twenty or april 20th i think yeah, yeah. yeah and we're at like 30 it was started in maybe 76 i, I think know, it was in the, i don't yeah. know for sure yeah, but that sounds right um, <clears throat> so you know, hallelujah that we have Earth Day, right? Yeah. <laughs> you've got Christmas and you've got Halloween. We should definitely have Earth Day. Oh, um, yeah, we got sweetheart. <laughs> right, Come on, we right. should have an Earth Day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, I might be doulaing a baby. <laughs> oh, so that's that would right. be like the earthiest of earthy. I think that's about as earthy as we could get out there. Um, yeah, so I am on call for a birth. Um, and um, so keep your, you know, keep your fingers crossed that that's all smooth as butter. We call them sometimes butter babies. So that <laughs> means they just slide out. <laughs> it's a butter baby. That's what we're hoping for. Um, uh, yeah. So doing that and then just specifically, you know, Brett and I are just always kind of looking at ways that we can reduce waste, reduce single-use plastic. My goodness, is there so much single-use plastic out there right now? I'm not perfect. I'm not even great at it yet, but I'm working on getting better. Um, So that's always a, a thought process. And then, you know, luckily, Brett's done this environmental restoration work for a really long time, for a corporation, yes, but he in in working for and with this corporation, he's you know gained tons of knowledge about native plants and um, restoration. So, what do you need to replenish soil? How do you um, uh, address erosion or stream bank restoration? Or how do you you know divert water or all kinds of things, tree plantings, all of it. So now we finally have this house that we bought. So we've got access to a nice, I mean, it's an urban neighborhood, but it's got a nice big front yard and our front yard faces east, which is really great because we get nice sunrises and the front yard's got a lot of sun. So that's where we're planting most of our fruits and vegetables and herbs and flowers are going in that sunny front yard. And then the backyard is 
nice. Now, anyone who knows <laughs> knows us or knows Brett will know that we are a little bummed because our backyard has one big giant pear, the calorie pear trees that <laughs> is everyone's public enemy number one. Um, so this invasive pear tree is our big tree in the backyard. Oh, yeah. We talked about cutting it down in the winter and didn't get around to it. Um, so we're trying to decide, like, it's a nice block from the neighbor. You know, it gives us nice privacy, but it's also this yucky pear tree. And we want a dogwood or a redbud mm. or an oak. Um, so we've got plans for the trees in the backyard to maybe do something with them sooner or later. And we've also got some wet spots. So Brett's done rain gardens before, so a rain garden might go in back there. And then my project is along the back fence row. I'm doing a whole big long row of wildflowers along the back nice, fence. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, I love the wild wildflowers, you know. And, you can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, and, and the pollinators love it. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and that what's curious, though, too, even though it's an invasive tree, it's so bigger, older tree, mm-hmm. so it's got to have this incredible root system mm-hmm. and, you know, like those fungal relationships with the the, the hyphae and the, like this, mm-hmm. like, there's so much what I've, and I'm sure you guys and Brad has learned so much about what goes on under the soil and just this networks of, mm-hmm. um, it, it made me think, you know, I wonder how just like indigenous plants and root systems and like uh like that chrysal zone underneath the earth uh welcomes and adapts an invasive mm. root system you know mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. they're thriving so they're they're not being like rejected cuz mm-hmm. <laughs> i get i get the yeah. the problem it's like like a monocropping it's yeah. like yeah, you can grow millions of acres of corn and soybeans. But is but, that really? Is it really <laughs> healthy for the soil? And the, no. So, but there's probably ways to minimize impact. And I don't know. I, I'm always trying to understand what I don't know, mm. which is a lot about mm. soil. Mm. And of course, around this April time of year, I'm thinking about it more because. Things come into life, and everybody's out planting, mm-hmm. and there's, um, you know, the pandemic for sure increased the volume of backyard gardens. Mm. I mean, I could see that driving around Indianapolis, and um, but even in rural communities, backyard gardens have already always been mm. a kind of thing, um, which I didn't really pay that much attention to um, until I was spent more time in smaller communities and like, like, why don't they have more farmer's markets? And, they, you know, and uh, then I realized, well, like, cause everybody's has Got a, a backyard, backyard garden or their neighbor has a big one and feeds this, you know, like there's a lot of things growing mm. that we're not necessarily seeing. I mean, the little grocery stores have organic sections mm. and there's lots of, of that stuff coming through. But, but, um, when you drive through these the seas of monocrops, but and then we do forget that there's a lot of backyard gardens, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, what does that all mean? I mean, I saw something a few years ago that said like sixty percent of the produce in America is grown in California, <laughs> you know. And but I I don't think they're counting backyard gardens, right? Right. You know. So I I think right. that number is probably not 
hundred percent. So I'm a big proponent of urban gardening, backyard mm-hmm. gardening, mm-hmm. rural gardening, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and I see so much more pollinator mm-hmm. habitats being, uh, w- whether it's uh, wildflower fields mm-hmm. or, uh, farmers using cover cropping mm-hmm. and, um, which, so there's, there's interesting little shifts in mm-hmm. small and large agriculture mm-hmm. happening. And uh, I see more raised beds in front yards, you know, mm-hmm. like people using this available space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like been a trend here probably the last 10 years mm-hmm. or more. Um, so that, that to me is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Foraging, more people oh, are, I yeah. mean, how many people are out hunting morels this week this weekend they're gonna be out in full force yeah i've been trying to learn what i can eat in my yard what i can eat in my local forest i mean i feel like that's really exploded there's always been you know a long rich history of foraging for necessity and probably pleasure but i've seen a big Mm. jump in that too you know people who just want to go out and hunt for mushrooms people who want to eat the chickweed that grows alongside their house yeah it's amazing well and that um i was listening to something about that recently where you're right forging was a thing Mm -hmm. and then with um sort of that whole mass commercialization Mm -hmm. of food and grocery stores and suburbs and then it became more of a uh, symbol of poverty mm-hmm. you know like you're forging wait it's because you know you can't afford to go to the grocery store and buy all this <laughs> produce grown in california right, <laughs> right <laughs> and, and crappy processed food right. that's gonna kill us right. you know but um so now you know, i i agree totally there's mm-hmm. a sh- you know we're mm-hmm. seeing this shift in whether it's podcasters or local little groups and and I hike in the woods a lot, and I mm-hmm. see for, foragers. I can mm-hmm. remember in the pandemic, you know, like everybody's like, got their thing, trying to get outside. Right. But then I'd see somebody off the trail rooting around the trunks of trees <laughs> for. I'm like, oh, they're looking for mushrooms, you know, and, and uh, yeah. So that's yeah, that's something I want to learn more about because mm-hmm. um, and the the gardening I've been doing and the sort of regenerative farming stuff mm-hmm. is all. Um, part of it is anyway is based on planting edible stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and things that are compatible mm-hmm. to that. Sen- and then learning, like, oh, you service berries, you it's a bush, but you have berries you can eat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and choke berries, and oh, they're like a superfood, you know, mm-hmm. and and they <laughs> yeah, what fruit trees need like the male and the female nearby, right, so that they can pollinate yeah. and that you actually get fruit because if you don't get that right, right, you could plant as many peach trees as you want, but you if you don't get pollination happening, then you're not going to get any peaches. <laughs> no peaches and no peaches and uh, and there's one little shout out for monarch butterflies. Mm-hmm. Like the American monarch butterflies mm-hmm. population was reduced by eighty percent in the last twenty years, mm-hmm. and so there's there's it's been fun to kind of watch this little movement mm-hmm. on trying to you know uh, r- bring back this species that was heading towards extinction, right? And and um, they they only lay eggs on um, like a common milkweed, mm-hmm. so you see. Um, throughout the Midwest and the North Northwest, 
um, you know, like Department of Transportation, they're they're limiting um, mowing during like oh, that's the, right, yeah, the, uh, egg laying season. Mm-hmm. They're planting milkweeds uh, along. The, you see them growing along the highways mm-hmm. more and more, um, and. You know, and that it was strictly a thing where we just eliminated their habitat, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. to a degree it started to stress the population. Mm-hmm. So hopefully <clears throat> we'll see those, you know, they're beautiful symbol of the monarch butterflies, you know, an amazing creature. And, mm-hmm. and we'll maybe see them resurge and make a comeback. Um, they, I read somewhere that they, they do make that several thousand mile <laughs> migration south. And then they spend a couple generations coming back <laughs> north. But it's just like a f- nature is uh, incredible and it's just, uh, it just amazes me. And I think the wisdom that we can glean from watching nature, mm. um, like a lot of what you talked about, like a mountain, it's like having this perspective about what is a mountain and what is it? mean to be you know mm-hmm. to embody what we can like learn from a mountain mm-hmm. you know and um i think that you know my my hope is that we do that more and more as human beings on this planet um because you know nature's been around longer than we have <laughs> <laughs> right. and, it's, and she, she'll outlast us <laughs> and she certainly will and and we've seen that evident in how resilient nature mm-hmm. is like we can like destroy the land the water and the vegetation but then we leave it alone it has this really regenerative quality mm-hmm. that it you know it can reemerge and is stronger and better mm-hmm. and in different ways i guess so um you know i think that's you know what a lot of people much smarter than i that study this stuff are you know they're they're looking at it and mm-hmm. they're just like all of our you know, all these, you know, drugs that do amazing things to help people all come from, you know, the rainforest or some little right. herb Plant growing extracts, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to balance our, well, who knows what we have to do. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I think the the wisdom of the earth is, mm-hmm. is showing itself and um, the focus of a lot of our great intellectual minds is on, um, oh, the climate's changing. Oh, the earth is, you know, having these shifts and whether it's climate or migratory patterns that are affected by climate. But there's people a lot smarter than I that are observing this and learning from it. And I think that wisdom will come mm-hmm. to help us all mm-hmm. um, and, you know, grow food mm-hmm. more um environmentally friendly ways mm-hmm. that's more sustainable um and you know whenever i go by a garden center and i see all the backyard vegetables i'm like oh that's awesome you know because there's somebody you know planting strawberries that are actually going to propagate their own strawberry patches yeah. you know and there's some things that won't just be grown for four months and then die and they come and buy them again next year, you know. Right, so there's, right. there's um, some longevity, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we digress a little bit, but mm-hmm. but um, 
it's always like fun to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And make me think about this stuff. Um, the so I guess we should sort of wrap it up a mm-hmm. little bit. But do you have like parting thoughts you want to share? Mm. Um, I think I just want to share that I'm just grateful for folks coming back, and even if you're not ready to come back to in-person yoga. I still want you to feel like you're a part of the community and that we'll be here. Ideally, we'll be here when you're ready to come back. Um, And for those folks who have, folks who come to class, maybe they only come once every few months because of X, Y, or Z, or maybe there's somebody who comes every single day. I mean, I'd look real silly if I was standing up in front of a room full of nobody talking about (laughs) mountains and down dogs. So I really appreciate when people are coming to classes. Um, We've had a little like, you know, we're starting to get people are coming back. We've had some classes that kind of start to look a little bit like pre-pandemic um, level classes. And it's not always just about the number of people in the room by any means. It's just about a feel, you know, you get some energy in the building and people are chatting before or after class and, um, people are continuing to learn and develop their own practice so that they can lean on it back to where we started so they can lean on it when things are tough. Um, so yeah, I'm just really grateful for the people who show up to support us here at city yoga and the other ways that, um, you and I show up in the world. So yeah, I just want to really express profound gratitude (laughs) for the people that show up to yoga. I mean, every time I see, people coming into class. I just feel so, so, so grateful. So grateful. Yeah. It's been fun to see people you haven't seen in a while. It's fun to meet new people because there's certainly new people that are coming into yoga. People who moved to Indy in the past two years or people who are like, now's the time. I'm going to start a yoga practice. Um, having fellow teachers in the room. I love when you come to class. I think we all, everyone at City Yoga loves when another teacher comes to class because it's just a fun way to be connected to each other. And, oh, she does that. That's cool. (laughs) He ends it like that. That's neat. Or whatever. And then we learn from each other. You know, we've got Mm -hmm. like an Ayurveda series coming up with Daryl Roberts. And that's such a cool offering. I mean, it's hard to find like good quality, especially one-on-one personal information that's rooted in his training and wisdom that he received from his teacher. So yeah, to get like um, a deep dive into Ayurveda in Indianapolis, that's rare. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this to have the space where things can be happening like this, um, you know, and we're still offering shout out to Heartland Mindfulness for offering many weekly by donation slash free yoga and meditation classes. We're adding Kelly Schulz. Um, she's going to switch her prenatal from Thursday nights back to the old way that it used to be, which is Wednesday nights. And that'll be another Heartland offering. So tell your prenatal friends that there is like basically free prenatal yoga twice weekly happening at City Yoga. Um, and we want to just keep kind of expanding our offerings with that so that, you know, JP's got people meditating with him in the mornings or the evenings. Um, yoga for 12 step recovery is still, I always feel proud when I talk about that happening consistently, such a good and important, important offering in Indianapolis. So 
check out the schedule when it comes to like, you know, if you have friends who are just on a budget, friends who just need something to help them get through a hard time or even just to whatever, just meet meet a new friend. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it goes back to, excuse me, um, I think Nikki's intention of creating an urban yoga studio was about accessibility, Mm -hmm. you know, making yoga accessible to all Mm -hmm. in this kind of more of an urban environment. And so it feels like sort of the heartland is kind of bringing that to real fruition where we've always had like free free offerings and teachers just volunteering to teach Mm -hmm. and call it out of the goodness of their heart, Mm -hmm. which is still there, but now it's more sustainable and we can do more regular things. Because we're paying the teachers to show up. Yeah, exactly. But still having the offerings be cost. Yeah, um, make, them, make, them, make them complimentary and right. people can come. Right. No matter what's, we take, money is not an excuse to not come. Right. You know, and so, and hopefully people will come with less stress and benefit and mm-hmm. leave with some tools mm-hmm. to help them um, navigate whatever is going mm-hmm. on in their world, so. Yeah, exciting things going on. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's so great to see people that haven't been in a while and uh, the energy of a full class. And and sometimes we forget we're, we're like the largest studio in central India, like square footage wise. Wow. Like we have two rooms that are... Um, you know, one's probably an average to large size, mm-hmm. and we can then that's our small room. Mm-hmm. And our big room is really there's not too many other places unless you're in a gymnasium at a Y or a school or someplace that you can have that open space and f- fresh air coming in through the doors and windows and stuff, so that it creates an environment where people can connect, but it, it never um, feels like really crowded mm-hmm. and. Um, so I take that for granted. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we we do have this um, wonderful space. Mm-hmm. And to see people coming and utilizing it just, you know, warms, warms my heart. And it, um, and when teachers come together in classes, that's like you said, that's super cool. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, we could talk all day long. <laughs> I am certain of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, really, thank you so much for taking the time out mm-hmm. to come back on the show. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I'm so excited and wish you the very best on these trainings you got you got coming and classes and all kinds mm-hmm. of fun stuff. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Dave. It's a joy to be on the podcast. Okay. Thank you for listening to The Yoga Voice, brought to you by City Yoga School of Yoga and Health, where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms. Find out more at www.cityyoga.biz. That's C-I-T-Y-O-G-A dot biz. Special thanks to our producer, Brian Sims, for his audio expertise.